Welcome to the fourth season of Coming Out and Beyond LGBTQIA Plus Stories. This is Anne-Marie Zanzel, your host, and I am so excited to share some changes to our podcasts that are really great, and I think you'll be as excited as I am about it. First of all, we will be dropping a new podcast every other Friday. This is at the request of our listeners who wanted to hear more. Secondly, my producer, Barb Rowlandson, will be joining me as a conversation partner as we discuss things coming out. Barb is a fellow late-in-lifer and also the mom of a queer kid, and so she has a lot of insight and experience to share with us. And thirdly, we're going to be focusing also on the beyond. Love to hear your coming out stories, but I want to hear the beyond. Sometimes magical things happen when we come out and we have a life that we could have never imagined. Many of us say this is the best thing that we've ever done. So let's get started. Welcome to the show. Tell me your story. I am beyond excited today to introduce you to the wonderful Joan Alexander. Joan is a spiritual director and supervisor who came out as a lesbian in her mid-40s. 20 years later, she is here to share a bit of her life story, how she worked in the Anglican Church of Canada, told her sons she was queer via email, met her love of her life, a same-gender priest in the church, was disowned by his siblings for making the choice and how today she serves others on similar journeys in her own practice of spiritual direction and supervision. Welcome, Joan. I am so excited to have you here today. Thank you, Anne-Marie. Thank you so much. I am, as a spiritual director, I'm comfortable and used to listening to others and listening to their stories. So for me to have this opportunity, to have you listen to me, like, wow, just wow. And I just want you all to know that Joan was my spiritual director for a little while, um, several years ago when I was in the process of coming out. And she is absolutely wonderful uh, what she does. And so I'm so excited to have her here today. And so Joan, tell me your story. (laughs) Yeah. So let me start right here and right now, Anne-Marie, where you find me today. Um, I'm civilly married to an Anglican uh, priest who's been retired at least twice now and is currently back in in a type of ministry that is not parish related. Uh, We live in the prairies in Canada. It is very cold here. It is very friendly and warm here in other ways. So that's where that's how where I come to to you from today. What started me on this journey of coming out um, was something I couldn't even put words to. You know, in my twenties, thirties, uh, married, married, and always in relationships with men before and after my marriage, um, I knew there was something, but I didn't have the language for it. After my my kids, my two now adult sons, after they were on their own path and I was divorced, I met someone who really rocked my world Mm -hmm. and was with her for 
a while for a while. I can't say it was a love match, but it was certainly a really strong like match, you know, like, 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 like woo match. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, yeah, so I, I learned, I learned what it means to be a lesbian, mm-hmm. what it doesn't mean to be a lesbian, that it's not perfect, that it doesn't answer all my prayers, that, that it's complicated and complex, just like being straight is. Mm-hmm. And so we were together for a while. And during those years of, of coming out, I was employed by the Anglican Church of Canada. I was an administrator for years. And what does that mean, Joan? An administrator? I started out, Anne-Marie, back in the day as a parish secretary. Okay. And then, you know, as titles changed, as responsibilities changed, my, my most recent um, title was administrator. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I left that I left the church for a while during that wild time with my first partner. I knew that that I couldn't be in the church either as an active member who worshiped there or certainly not as an employee of the diocese I was in. So I was out of that that work environment for several years. And then things changed, you know, I was watching the church, I was seeing some change, some, some hope, if you will. Um, and so a position came up, that kind of came up, I don't think it was my news feed at the time, but it, it came to my awareness. And I applied, it was for an administrative position. And I got a call. Mm-hmm. And so I was going to an interview. And it was going to, it was a panel interview. And the person that answered the door just threw me for a loop, for want of a better word. Um, I was very drawn to her. And yet I was also very focused on the fact that I was there for an interview. That person is now my spouse of 12 plus years. Mm -hmm. So we worked closely together in the church for several years, our relationship, um, oh, it was just, it was very intense. It was undercover because even though there were changes in the church, there weren't enough yet. Mm-hmm. There still aren't enough. There yeah. still aren't enough. Mm-hmm. We went to our bishop and said that we were in relationship and that it was serious and that we wanted to be married. Mm-hmm. We knew that we couldn't be. Not, mm-hmm. not in the Church of Canada, not at that time. And still today, there aren't many places in the Anglican Church of Canada where a same-gender couple can be married. Okay, so it's still pretty um, conservative. Yes, yes. There are different dioceses that are more open than others, mm-hmm. but yeah, there's still that, that hesitation for any of us to, to come out. Mm-hmm. And... and And as I share that, Anne-Marie, I'd also like to say that that certainly isn't only for lesbians or for anyone who has um, a sexual orientation outside of the norm. It's also those that are, you know, with gender identity, the other siblings in our circle. Right. Absolutely. I understand. Yeah. So at that time, our bishop was mostly concerned 
that we were working together in the same environment. Yeah, that, I was thinking yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah. Right. Human resources, <laughs> yes, human resources raises its, its head. So, and we were too. I mean, that's probably one of the main reasons we were very careful. Mm-hmm. So we got married civilly mm-hmm. with our bishop's permission, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And then a few months later, we went into a new parish. I left my position. My partner stayed in hers. And we went to a new parish. And mm-hmm. in that place, there was a blessing of our civil marriage. Oh, so that was lovely. Yeah, that was just, that was beautiful. It mm-hmm. wasn't quite enough yet. And I don't want to get too political here. Mm-hmm. It wasn't enough. And yet it was important to us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did that new parish know you as your wife's partner? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. When mm-hmm. when um when we when she went for her interview there, I went with her, and mm-hmm. we didn't we didn't surprise them. Right. We told them that we were coming together, mm-hmm. and we waited. You know, mm-hmm. we waited to see if they would cancel that interview. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but they didn't. And we were there for several years before moving on to another parish. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's that's really the, the biggest pieces of my story in regard to the church. Right. Is there anything else that you would like to know about that piece of the story? Well, Actually, no, because I really want to get into what you're doing now, because I think that's super helpful. Um, So I have some questions. What is a spiritual director? Oh, yes. That's the big question in Mm -hmm. this ministry or practice that I have. Mm -hmm. It spiritual direction is what it is not. Let me say that first. It is not therapy. It Mm -hmm. is not counseling. It is deep, deep listening and journeying with one or more others on their, on their path. Mm -hmm. I always think of a labyrinth and, um, and for those of you who know about labyrinths, we're on one path. We're journeying into the center. We're journeying out again. There can be many on that path with us. And yet no one is leading us and no one is following us. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know, a labyrinth is actually behind, if you're watching this. On if YouTube. you're watching, the, I was thinking of saying yeah, that. It's right behind Joan. It's right behind Joan over her uh, left shoulder. I think it is. Ah, it is. You're right. Thanks, Emory. Yeah, it's right yeah. there. Yes. Yeah. So it can, it's really hard to define with a few words or even a few sentences. Mm-hmm. What I've heard others say that have come into spiritual direction with me mm-hmm. is that they ju- they simply need a safe and brave space to be heard, to mm-hmm. be heard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Rarely do we sit together in prayer. Some mm-hmm. people will say, well, what, what actually happens in a session? Yeah, like, so what actually happens yeah. in a session? Tell me about that. Well, I know, but not the listeners yeah. don't know. <laughs> it may sound different than what yeah. you... Yeah, it might be, yeah. It mm-hmm. could be. So everyone is different. I can only explain, you know, only share yeah. what I offer in a session. I will always open with a short piece of poetry or a blessing or something that 
that I hope will will open the space for the one or ones that I'm that I'm with in the moment. Mm-hmm. And then I ask this question that sounds so familiar to so many of us, but I ask it with intention. How are you? Mm-hmm. How are you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that can bring that not always. Sometimes you know the answer is, oh, I'm really I'm fine. I'm great. How are you? Right. Yeah. Or it can it can bring tears. Mm-hmm. crazy laughter you know life is crazy sometimes mm-hmm. absolutely right yeah so that question will open up our time together mm-hmm. if it's the first time we're meeting there's opportunity to ask me lots of questions you know mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. what's my journey been like what are my what's my theology mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i might ask those questions as well but not always so both of you and I um, are very well churched. You know, you know, I'm, I'm a former pastor, um, former chaplain. You are very well churched. Um, so many of our queer brothers and sisters, and and also, you know, the, the queer folks that are out there, um, often have been rejected by their faith community. And sometimes it, for those of us who come from incredibly, like some conservative tr- traditions, it can be absolutely devastating, the loss of a faith community. Yeah. What do you recommend to mm-hmm. people who've had that experience? Because you had that experience, your siblings, um, you don't talk to them anymore. And by the way, I don't talk to two of my siblings. Well, I, it's, it's not that I, it's just there. It's not like it was anything was ever said. It just, I just don't talk to them as I, like I used to, you know, they just sort of disappeared. You know? <laughs> um, what do you tell somebody, you know, who is come coming to you with such pain? Mm-hmm. And, and I know, I know how spiritual direction works is that you don't really actually tell that thing. So uh, how do you work with somebody that is coming to you with this pain of being a queer person and their faith? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's such a multi-layered question and answer. And yeah, right. mm-hmm. it is. I may say that taking the step to enter into spiritual direction is the first step to mm-hmm. healing. If we look at that labyrinth and consider healing to be the center, right you now, one step, giving mm-hmm. voice to the pain, because mm-hmm. yes, it hurts like hell to mm-hmm. be rejected. Absolutely. And this is such a vulnerable place to yeah. be. Mm-hmm. You know, a member of the queer community. We're, we're getting to know ourselves. Right. And, you know, when, when we're tender, if, if I may use that perhaps overused word, if we're tender about our own acceptance of self, then when others reject us, like, wow, right? Wow. Mm-hmm. Some of what I offer is a, a deep dive into spiritual trauma. Mm-hmm. So in addition to perhaps referring a directee or a client to someone in therapy or counseling fields, Mm -hmm. 
to explore spiritual trauma together. Mm-hmm. As you said earlier, yeah, we're well, we're well versed, you and I, in the church, and many of us are, not all, but many, in different ways. There's a difference, though, between religious trauma and spiritual trauma. Religious trauma, in some ways, can be outside of ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, it's we're rejected by, by a church, a faith community, the people in it, the building itself. You know, mm-hmm. um, spiritual trauma can be our inner being, our spirits. You know, we are traumatized by rejection of all kinds, mm-hmm. and when that's connected to a faith community that those those waves of trauma can go very very deep so can you you tell me what spiritual trauma looks like for people yeah yeah spiritual trauma can be a questioning of their god Mm -hmm. i'll use god language just for our for our purposes Mm -hmm. today does god love me as i am Mm -hmm. Does God love me as I was? Mm-hmm. No, an imposter. Mm-hmm. God love me, period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there's that wondering, that insecurity around rejection of God. Mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. That, that being, that entity within our lives that has been a part of our lives forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Deeper inside, you know, pain. Yeah. I find that when people are coming out from in later in life and they come from a, you know, conservative religious tradition, whether it's Christian or Jewish or, you know, Islam, um, there is a lot of existential, they're scared, existential terror, you know, that I am going to go to hell. I'm going to be cast out by God. I am going, you know, I am, I am a horrible human being, all kinds of stuff like that, but really the existential of like, what's going to happen to me after I die. Mm -hmm. When somebody has that existential terror or Mm -hmm. fear, Mm -hmm. what is the best, what would you recommend that they do to help quell that fear? Emery, you know, coming out later in life, it is like climbing a mountain. You know, it really is. And, you know, it's like climbing a mountain while going through a second adolescence. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember what that was like. And, you know, it is no cakewalk. Let me tell you. So, you know, just like climbing a mountain, I think that coming out later in life is, you know, something that you probably shouldn't do alone. Absolutely. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why I created Lotus Group Coaching. This program is for cis and trans women and non-binary folks who are comfortable in female spaces. I've really taken all the years of my experience as a chaplain and grief counselor and my own experiences of coming out later in life and created a coaching program to help clients move from their straight pre-coming out lives 
into their authentic sexuality. It's really a holistic program that includes meditation, group sessions, one-on-one -on -one coaching, videos, articles, assignments, you know, really a whole host of things to help you uncover and embrace your true identity. Mm -hmm. And you know, one of the greatest things about this program is that it takes people from this place of feeling very alone and it puts them into a community of others who are dealing with the same issues. Oh, for sure. And at the community part of Lotus Group Coaching is so important. And, and I'm gonna say the most important, having others who are going through the same thing with you, witnessing your journey, and having a coach to help guide you along the way is so valuable for this part of the program. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Emery, if someone is listening to this program, what are the next steps that they should be taking? Well, the first thing I'd like you to do is to is to really go to my website and download the free guide I've created. It's a coming out guide. There's lots of great reading in there. It's it's very simple. Just go over to my website. It's my name, annemariezanzel.com, and you'll find the link to download in the main menu under coming out resources. Mm -hmm. We'll drop the link in the podcast and the YouTube video descriptions so that you all can find it easily. And this is the next thing. Um, you can book a discovery call with me. And this is a connection call and an opportunity to talk to me personally in a half an hour call. You know, I'm a big believer in stories, so you can tell me your story. And I just really listen to you. And sometimes it is so nice to hear, have somebody hear your story. Do you know, Barb, so many people have said to me, I'm the first person they've ever told their story to. And it's been such an honor for me. After you, we share that story together. You know, I'll see if we'll sit, well, together we'll assess whether Lotus Group Coaching is a good fit for you or not. Mm -hmm. uh, that is amazing. And the call's free, right? Absolutely, totally free. I have a link to book a call with me and we'll drop that in the podcast YouTube video description. Please don't as really don't hesitate. There's absolutely no obligation to join. It's just a Zoom call and hey, this could end up being one of the best things you've ever done for yourself. Yeah, well, although spiritual direction is not a helping mm -hmm. sort of therapy focused mm -hmm. modality, you have tools or mm -hmm. ideas. And mm -hmm. so of course the talking is going to help. I also offer journaling, guided mm -hmm. journaling prompts mm -hmm. to see if what may not be able to be verbalized can be put on paper mm -hmm. or on our Apple pad or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And just sit with another, for me, with me, for instance, to sit with me and to take some of what you've just said, what will happen to me after I die? Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. And then just to, to hold that space the space of five minutes to write whatever comes up for you, whatever it is. No need to share, but often people do mm -hmm. speak out loud. Mm -hmm. it, can be, it can be a powerful tool. Mm -hmm. Another one that can be more fun is dream work. Yeah, I know you you do dream work, don't you? I offer dream, young, I call it youngian young flavored. Yeah, yeah. youngian flavored. That. 
So, so say, I, I know what you mean, but Carl Jung, go yeah. ahead. So yeah. say, say what that's yeah. about. <laughs> yeah. So I studied, I studied this ministry at the Hayden Institute, North Carolina, mm-hmm. used mm-hmm. to be a Canadian program as well. And big piece of what they offer is dream work. And yes, mm-hmm. the Jungian flavored work. So what does that look like in the context of what the type of person you and I are talking about? You know, a directee comes, they they haven't been able to process the deep pain of the rejection of their faith community. They have fear about what will happen after they die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are your dreams like mm-hmm. right now? Are you remembering your dreams? Mm-hmm. Tell me about them. What's going on? You know, and then sometimes some people are very uh, repressed in their dream life and they don't remember. Mm-hmm. I may say, do you have any d- daydreams right now? Like as you're preparing to meet with me or later today, like what are you daydreaming about these days? And then we may be able to pick out some metaphors from their dream life, waking or sleeping. Yeah. For example, um, this might seem too obvious, but if there's fire in a dream, yeah. What does that mean? I'm like so curious about all oh, that. Oh, okay. So <laughs> well, well, in, with Jungian flavored dream work, everything in our dreams represents a part of ourselves, mm-hmm. conscious or unconscious. Mm-hmm. So if someone were to say to me, I've been dreaming about a fire. Like there's a fire out in my backyard and it's untended and I'm afraid the tree's going to catch fire. And then I wake up like, Mm -hmm. just for example. Right. And so, so what I'm looking for is how are you the dreamer like that fire that Mm -hmm. might be out of control in a moment? Mm. Yeah. And that excites me. Believe it or not, because what is the, like, like the, what, what, if you, if you would interpret it, what does like the tree is going to catch fire? Do you mean like, it's like their home is going to catch fire or some change is going to happen? I'm, you know, I'm just fascinated by this. I would say that, that it wouldn't be something that's going to come true in the future. Right. It's more of getting to know the pieces within the dreamer. Mm-hmm. So if you, Anne-Marie, you had this dream, okay, that there's a fire pit in your yard in the dream, not necessarily in your waking life, but it looks like you might have one. I don't know. I'm watching your face. Um, but there's a fire pit. There's a fire burning in it. No one's around. You can see it, but you're far away from it right, in your dream. Mm-hmm. There's a tree close by and you're worried that the, the tree is going to catch fire. And then you wake up, right? That's it. So that's your dream. So what I will invite you to do then is to consider where the warm places in your life are. Mm. Where are they? Mm-hmm. And, and then I will ask you where you think the warmth or the heat in your life may take a journey that you don't want it to. Mm. I get that. Can I ask you though, like I, if, would the dream interpretation change if depending on the mentee, whoever you were working with, mm-hmm. because if you knew someone's personal um, history, 
like, like fire for me might be something different for somebody else, or is it universal? In the work that I do and the teachings that I've received, it's not universal. Okay. No, okay. Not All universal. right. All right. Okay. So it means, it means the same thing for everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you consider what you do deconstruction? I've just started working with an online community. Yeah. And, and there are, well, several, but the one I'm thinking of in particular, yes, the language that they use is around deconstruction. Yeah. Many are from evangelical backgrounds mm -hmm. uh, from the United States. I don't know if that's important here, but it felt like I should mention that as well. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And hearing their deconstruction stories is a big piece of spiritual direction. Yeah. Okay. So if somebody has been raised in a conservative church, uh, no matter whether it's evangelical or, or maybe, you know, like people who have been um, raised maybe in an Orthodox Judaism or something like that, you're able to help them deconstruct their faith if that's what they choose to do. That's what they choose to do. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Having someone on the path with them mm -hmm. can be vital, vital to find that center. Yeah, for sure. When should someone look for spiritual direction? Mm -hmm. um, when should they seek you out? Yeah. If they've heard about spiritual direction and they're curious, mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. that's one time for sure. Right. Because that indicates that there might be something to process around their spiritual lives. Maybe, maybe it's just curiosity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's one, that's one time. Another is someone who is in a faith community and is, a, and is not feeling ostracized or is feeling very connected to the theology, has a very positive and good community relationship and yet only feels like one of many. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. To have an opportunity to only be the one, mm -hmm. to have an hour a week, a month, every, just once, to have right. an hour to simply be the one where the focus is on just you is mm -hmm. rare in our society. Absolutely. So Absolutely. that's just two examples I can think of. Yeah. How do you make sure if you're someone who is LGBTQIA+, and, and I know people listening can hear the just the softness in Joan's voice and how gentle she is. But if someone's scared and they're like, oh, I don't know if I want, I'm curious, not sure if I want to do this. How do you make sure people feel safe when they're with you? Yeah. I have some some very uh, pragmatic. I don't know if this is the right word. Mm -hmm. I have an agreement that we sign together, mm -hmm. not for our first session. Our yes. first complimentary session is a get to know each other. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, questions and answers and, and space together. But after that, we sign an agreement mm -hmm. around boundaries mm -hmm. that nothing you share with me is shared with another. Mm -hmm. except there is an exception though I would like to say that Anne-Marie that I am also a supervisor mm -hmm. I teach supervision mm -hmm. I have a supervisor mm 
Mm-hmm. For those of you that know uh, this world I'm in, my supervisor and teacher is Lucy Abbott Tucker. Mm-hmm. So I may bring ex- you know, some story from a session to my supervisor. Names, however, are never attached. It's always mm-hmm. anonymous. Mm-hmm. So there's that. You, however, as a directee or a client, can share whatever comes up here in a session with me <laughs> anytime and with anyone. Mm-hmm. So there's that piece around boundaries mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. important for safety. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so what I'd like to do now is sort of get back to your coming out a little bit. Um, here you are, a faithful Anglican. Mm, I don't know about that. Well, here you were. Were you here, a faithful? Here I am here now. I used yeah, to be. I yeah. know, I know. You used to be. I should I have said, it. here you were. A faithful Anglican working within the church. When you came out, what were some of your fears? Mm-hmm. What were you afraid of? Maybe naming two or three, mm-hmm. and then also talking about what actually happened. If I know I'm really putting you on the spot right now, mm-hmm. but you know, what were some of your fears? Yeah. Well, the church first, the fear of rejection mm-hmm. by friends mm-hmm. that I had, had made, you know, decades ago right. by coworkers. Mm-hmm. And I was also afraid of losing my job, my mm-hmm. position, my mm-hmm. livelihood. Mm-hmm. There was that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I also had another fear that was perhaps more, I, I would say, yes, that was bigger than that, Anne-Marie. And that was the fear of telling my sons that I was gay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so how did you do that? So uh, as you said in the intro, I told them in emails. Right. Before I go into that, I would just like to say something briefly around that. I was talking with my younger son the other day and mentioning that I was going to hopefully be on your podcast. Yeah. And I mentioned that I was, you know, going to say, and I told you guys in an email, and he said, mom, I don't have any memory of that. Wow. And so, and just again, briefly, we got to that movie, Anne-Marie, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which you may recall. Yeah. There's a line in that about truth, mm-hmm. a person's truth not being what really happened. However, mm-hmm. it's still true. Mm-hmm. So I will stand by that, that, that my memory of telling my sons in emails that I was gay or I was a lesbian. Mm-hmm. It's it's my truth. Right. Yeah. And I understand that because I tell the story about the first time that I realized I didn't have to stay on the straight path. I told my then 16-year-old daughter that I'd read this article on Oprah Winfrey Oprah magazine and it talked about the fluidity of women's sexuality. And it also talked about, you know, these women that had been married to men and, and, you know, now we're married to, you know, we're with women. And honestly, that gave me hope. And it gave me hope that although I had started out on the straight path, I didn't have to stay on it my entire life, you know? And so I told my then 16 year old daughter, if something ever happens to dad and I don't be surprised if I you know, end up with a woman. And she was like, okay, mom, she has absolutely no memory of that conversation whatsoever. But I think for you and I, I think it was so monumental to us and I'm, and I know it happened, but 
I agree with you. <laughs> like she is like, I don't remember, but maybe it was because it, you know, like one of the things your mom says something and it goes in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm just curious. Did you look to see if you could find the email? I did. I went back and my emails go back 12 years. So the time I married my now spouse, but it would have been before that. And I don't have any record of it ah. because I would have loved to have said, your mother Here's is right. Here it is, right? <laughs> but no, I have no proof. So there you go. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Yeah. Hey friends, thanks for listening. I just want to take a moment to highlight the good work that Joan Alexander, the subject of this episode, is doing. I know from personal experience that Joan is a wonderful spiritual director. She has helped me so much along my own spiritual journey. You too can benefit from her gentle guidance. I'm really excited to announce that in cooperation with me, Joan has formed a contemplative circle for queer women. And this is a safe, sacred virtual container in which to share your journey, your thoughts, your experiences, and your heart. This is a six-week opportunity to practice and participate in contemplative listening within a community of queer women who are coming out later in life. We are coming from a variety of spiritual and religious backgrounds, and perhaps we are in the process of deconstructing and reconstructing lives, and all will be welcome here. I encourage you all to check out Joan's programs at joanalexanderspiritualdirector.com. That is joanalexanderspiritualdirector.com. So Joan, when you came out, did you have a coming out song? No. And you (laughs) asked that question in the intro before we actually met today. And I have to have one though. It's what's been missing in my entire life, Anne-Marie. Please give me some ideas. (laughs) Do you, are you a Broadway person by any chance or do you like? I could be, absolutely. There is a song that for me, I have a bunch of them. Um, And there was a song from uh, the movie, The Greatest Showman. And it's called, This Is Me. And I'll send it to you after the interview and I'll put it up in, in, and I'll put it up for people in the, um, when we publish this podcast, it's on YouTube and it's them rehearsing the song. This is me. And every time I watch it, I cry because it, it was like, that was my, it's, it's about, you know, this is me. And I also love the song ring of keys from, um, fun house or fun. I think it's fun house or fun home. Uh, I can't remember the exact name, but it's either Fun House or Fun Home. And um, it's about a, a girl's coming out journey. And it was on Broadway and her and her dad was gay. And it's a really actually great song. And the song is when she's a little girl and she's a little girl singing. And it's about how she was in a drugstore. I mean, in a coffee shop and a woman came in um, who was delivering, you know, something. And she had a ring of keys and she said, someone just walked in the door someone I've never saw before. And and the song goes on to saying that somehow I think you're like me. And it's like this childless, childlike innocence. And so she's, and the woman has a ring of keys. And, you know, that's really cliche for lesbians that they have a carabiner (laughs) with a ring of keys. And it's like, seriously, I'm going to send you both those songs. But those, 
those two songs, yeah, like really, I'm a Broadway person and my my wife always j- jokes that I, I'm a gay man. I have a gay man living inside me <laughs> <laughs> trying to get out. <laughs> because oh, I, and my and it was so funny. One time I discovered that my my therapist is actually the same. She's a lesbian, but also she has a gay per- man living inside. Oh, I love that. Bonded over Broadway musicals. So and it's <laughs> My wife and I have a group of guy friends that were, uh, it's including her cousin and they all love Broadway. And so like, I can join right in with them and oh, they love that, so. I love it. Thank you so much. This yeah. is great. So yeah. how about books? Was there any book or play or movie that really, really touched you and, and why? Ah, oh, yeah. Women who run with the wolves. I have heard that book. Can you refresh my memory? It is uh, the the author. I don't have the author's name right here. It's a it's a three you know three name author. Clarissa is her first name. It was in my I guess late thirties, so lots of years ago, that I read it for the first time. Mm-hmm. I have read this either pieces of it or straight through from beginning to end countless times in my life. It is rich with story, with metaphor, with connection you know, to the wolf inside of each of us, Mm -hmm. highly recommend it to you, Anne-Marie, and to any listeners out there that, that might be touched by that idea or moved by it. Yeah. And her name is Clarissa Pinkola Estes, right? Did I say Thank you. That's it. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I am going to read it. You are not the first person who's mentioned that on this podcast. So pretty exciting. Oh, cool. Yes. That's great. So how would you describe your life today? Mm. Yeah. It's very good. It's very good. It's, there is something about living into my authenticity, who I am. Mm-hmm. As the 60 plus year old woman yes. who, who is yet is a sexual being mm-hmm. you know, to have a partner that I love mm-hmm. that drives me crazy. That makes me mad at times, you know, like all up to have that in my life. Mm-hmm. My life is good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the name of this podcast is coming out and beyond and, I know that when as we both have taken the same journey about like being, you know, and like when we start this journey and we're often in our comfort zones and a lot of times we have to go through the fear, you know, of what will be, what is the best thing? Like what about the beyond has surprised you? That you never could have seen, you know, 20 something years ago. Yeah. Yeah. This feeling of rightness Mm -hmm. of, of letting the imposter in me Mm -hmm. go, leaving Mm -hmm. her behind Mm -hmm. to be able to just to simply love who I love. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to cry now because it's something that we know Mm -hmm. many of us know um, is never guaranteed. Right. Even, you know, in the political climate that we're in, in mm-hmm. North America, I don't want to say just you in the U S here in Canada, in different places in the world, we still have that fear that we live with. 
-hmm. and yet to know that we are authentically and publicly and out there ourselves, you know, coming out was the best thing I could do for myself. Mm. And so I'm going to leave that right there. Mm. If you are curious about spiritual direction or want a little, learn a little bit more, all the information will be in the notes for the show. I cannot recommend Joan Heyer. She is a wonderful spiritual director and such a kind, caring human being. So if it's something that you're curious about, do the free one. <laughs> you, know, you have nothing to lose. And if it's something that you've been searching for and you have been looking for spiritual direction, um, I would I would really love for you to meet Joan. She's a wonderful person. And I want to thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for taking some time out of your out of your week. And thank you for teaching us a little bit about something that is an ancient, ancient practice. And I am so glad to hear about it. So thank you, Joan. Thank you, Anne-Marie. It was my honor and privilege to be here with you and all of your listeners. Thank you. You've been listening to Coming Out and Beyond, LGBTQIA plus stories with Anne-Marie Zanzel. New episodes of the Coming Out and Beyond podcast drop every other Friday. You can tune in at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and at annemariezanzel.com. Be sure to hit subscribe when tuning in so you never miss an episode. And for more resources, articles, videos, and a free downloadable guide for coming out later in life, visit annemariezanzel.com.